I'm Ricardo Fuller, and you're listening to the Wizard of Driven podcast. Easy. 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 How about that then? Hey. My favourite thing is that people won't know this, but you've been wanting to do that on the pod for weeks. <laughs> and, and you've not had the opportunity and I'm so happy that now you get to say easy stuck it in the goal 1-2-0 what were you worried about <laughs> how about that Stoke City 2 Hull City how many goals did they get Chris they got no goals the stupid own brand internet twats <laughs> 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 Stick that up your white telephone box twice. Oh, whole tigers, more like whole slugs. <laughs> are we going to be awful to every team we beat this season? Uh, yes, we are. Because we're we're above this league. This league is beneath us. And now, now we're going to show it. Forget, forget everything I said midweek. Now we're starting. We're back and we're ready for it all over again. We have won a football match. Chris. It's nice, isn't it? It's nice to have a different content to talk about on a podcast. Because, you know, I thought we were going to get a bit repetitive, like the Big Bang Theory and be cancelled. But we're not because we've got something new to talk about. And that's that I like the football team again and I like players and that's nice. It's, oh, I'm just so happy. I'm so happy. They did us. They did us okay, didn't they? This weekend, they've done us okay. Yes, I was definitely pleased to be a Stoke fan uh, after our third win in 2018. We are now level <laughs> in terms of managers and wins in this calendar year. I tell you what, I think we could dare, dare to dream and overtake that three managers figure with a fourth win who knows where who knows when but let's dream big lads Tom what changed in between Wednesday and Saturday we were just not not shit Um, (laughs) yeah Darren Fletcher didn't didn't get allowed on the pitch which bloody hell odd to start such a positive result with uh with, with like a negative dig at Darren Fletcher but if you don't mind Darren please never play for us ever again um but yeah I don't know it, it, the tempo was a bit better we looked a lot more controlled in defense we just looked like a football team for once rather than 11 blokes all steadily shitting themselves it was brilliant <laughs> Sorry, I just love that analogy of just look like blokes shitting themselves. That was brilliant. <laughs> well, uh, the Wigan game did force several of the fans to uh, self-defecate. And I dare say I may have been one of them. But at five changes for Stoke, uh, two were forced. Uh, Martins Indy came in for the suspended Williams and Juve came in for Ince. Rowett went with Big Peter Crouch with a, with a start. Martina came in for his debut in place of Tom Edwards, but I think the uh, the standout change, as you alluded to there, Tom, was Darren Fletcher being dropped and Peter Tabo. Wow, he mm. is a 
actual proper footballer. That's bloody good to have. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, Ogeni Caro. What a, what a guy. God, so surprising that a bloke who could do really well against Lionel Messi at the World Cup is good in the championship. Who, who would have bloody known that, eh? I wouldn't have worked that out. Rower, tactical genius that he is, uh, spotted it. Only took him four games as well to spot it. <laughs> no, I, I don't see how Darren Fletcher gets back in this side if Big Pete continues in such form. Um, because I think he, like that, yesterday, that midfield was so much better than everything that's come before it. I'm even, like, Joe Allen, I don't think was awful. Um, I think it worked yesterday. I think it's nice. Oh, it's nice. I think that Joe Allen maybe gets dropped for um, Ryan Wood in the future, but I, I don't know. Like, I'm just feeling really positive, and so I feel harsh to be critical because I just feel so happy that we finally got some goals and a win. Mm. And <laughs> and like looking around the team, there were several. Uh, players who kind of raised their game for my money. I thought McLean looked a lot more confident in what he was doing. He he had a better game, obviously he scored his first goal. Joe Allen played better. Mm-hmm. And I think even Ryan Shawcross, you could make a case for having maybe stepped up a bit. Uh, I know some people would disagree on that. The only player I thought had a real bad game yesterday was Eric Peters, and he's mm-hmm. he's my cause for concern. But speaking of players raising their game, Saido Berahino. Yeah, he, he looks like a player now. And what? Yeah, what's happened there, Tom? It's just mental, isn't it? That someone who I, I don't know. It, it, of all the people I expected to like step up their performances, either for like out of guilt for last season or just genuinely to save their own careers or whatever, I didn't expect it to be Berahino. But oh my god! And it's not even just like he's playing well at the minute. He's playing so well that A, he's probably undroppable. There's no way he doesn't start against West Brom. And B, he's so undroppable that he's making Rowett play a system that doesn't seem to be the system Rowett wants to play. It's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Like, yeah. I-, I can't think of a player, aside from someone like Bojan, who I could think would do that to a team. It's mental. Yeah. He's so good. He, he was... He was- just awesome I thought yesterday I thought he linked up play really well and it says something that we could play crouch up front and actually I thought we looked really mobile yesterday and I don't usually find that when um, crouches are striker in a team and I think that is the credit of Berahino because he was dropping in those pockets of space linking up the play the, the number of occasions where he was able to get the ball in a very tight situation and get it out to McLean, who actually went past a man, which was nice, wasn't it? I Genuinely, I was gutted for the guy that he didn't get a goal yesterday because that performance deserved it. And I, I, I would love him to get something against West Brom. That would be perfect. But he he's played so well. Um, yesterday was just was ace. So yeah, I agree. Mm. I, I, you can't drop him. You can't drop him at the moment. For me, it, I thought. Go on. I, I was going to say, it, obviously, for a phobia, it was maybe a, a tad harsh, but it's difficult to complain when things go your way, doesn't it? But 
uh, yeah, yeah, he was he was great with Sido. Yeah, and for me, it, it underlined that need for a number ten, and that I've been uh, camp camping outside Gabby Rowett's house with a big poster of Bojan saying, "Do you know this man? Get him in the team now!" And have because we've just lacked that link between midfield and forwards in the opening four games of the season. And I've been saying Bojan, 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 Bojan. And who knew Saido Berahino can is a number ten now? Who, <laughs> it's like it's like Saido Berahino's just looked at his scoring record and thought, oh, this is bit a bit embarrassing for a you know off the shoulder of the front man, fox in the box supposed kind of player. I'll just reinvent myself. He's he's gone away to <laughs> Thailand or something for a, for a summer holiday and just like found himself spiritually in a wood somewhere and, and now he's this whole new person I expected him to come back with a mullet or something but what a guy what a guy and uh, I'm just we, the the narrative of him scoring at the Hawthorns is too much for me to handle right now I, I'm going to I'm going to bet against him scoring just to kind yeah. of calm myself down but uh, but, I, but I kind of feel if he keeps putting in performances like that, I think him him not scoring is a little bit forgiven because yeah. what he did yesterday wasn't based around him scoring. Mm. He was instrumental in linking things together. And like the fact he hasn't scored in two years is shocking. But yesterday that wasn't the priority for him. And um, yeah, he he did well. Yeah, and... It it kind of poses the question now of uh, do we have now this is going to sound really really silly and classic uh, um, fickle football fan but do we have too many options up front now? <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> if Sido's no. playing ten, we can have Bojan off the front of him. I, I did have a, a slight wet dream about uh, Bojan in front of Sido or uh, Sido in front of Bojan and. What those two could do together, um, if Gary Rowett allowed it, which he probably wouldn't. But uh, yeah, Crouch started yesterday, and f- for me, while he does offer a bit of a focal point for Shawcross's lumps up the pitch, he didn't really have a great game in my book. Missed a real mm. sitter of a chance. But Benny Kafobe in front of Bo- in front of Berahino, let's let's try that again. I think it's what we did at, at Preston, and I'd be tempted to see that, especially with. Uh, the form Berahino displayed yesterday. And who knows, Jufy's got his eye in now. Mm. <laughs> well, kind of. Yes. I mean, they all can. <laughs> yeah, I think, we, I think I'd probably would like a striker in, to be honest, but just... Yeah, I, I, th- I think that... <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Two two goals and now it's like, oh, what's the problem? We, <laughs> we're, we're looking great. I don't, none of the... Goals came well. Juf is a striker, isn't it? But we're going to say it didn't come from like Crouch or Verahino. They came from goals from wingers. I'll put in quote marks. So we do. We do still. I, I still think that a phobia is our one clinical striker. Um, and yeah, maybe we do need another option up front. But yeah. Again, I feel really bad criticising anything because I've not felt happy about Stoke for a few weeks, and this is this is a nice feeling. So, mm. well, um, moving on to uh, another player who uh, came in yesterday, uh, Cuco Martina. 
the best Curaçaoan international to ever play for Stoke City. Uh, what did we make of his debut? I, I thought he was really good. I heard some people sort of um, complaining about his wanting to slow the game down, but I think for me that just speaks of someone who's got their head switched on and knows that sort of 2-0 up with 20, 15 minutes to play against 10 men Maybe I don't need to bomb it forward on the counter-attack. I know it doesn't look exciting and it's not what the fans want, but it was good for the squad to sort of have that presence who he did quite literally at times put his foot on the ball and gesture to the rest of the team, calm down. Uh, it was just nice to sort of have that presence in a back line that's just looked so, so lost at times. Uh, and I think... No offence to Tom Edwards, but he's been very guilty of it. And he is a 19-year-old. He's been guilty of just being in totally the wrong position. Bauer, exactly the same. So it was nice to have like a presence there who was nice and dependable. And then I didn't think he was going to be very good going forwards from sort of what Everton fans have said and what Southampton fans have said. But I thought he was all right. He overlapped and he tried to put crosses in. I think I remember him whipping one in sort of the wrong kind of ball to play for Crouch, but it was whipped behind the centre halves and, you know, Benicophobia would love the end, to be on the end of that. So, yeah, bloody hell. Decent signing, Stoke. Yeah, and that uh, thing you're talking about, about his kind of game management almost, it leads me into uh, a part of yesterday that I really appreciated was our approach to the game. And it, it relates to a question we have from Lloyd Redding. Are you disappointed that Rowett didn't go for the kill and score four or five? And I think, um, to be honest, we're 2-0 up, they're down to 10 men. I thought we did exactly what we needed to do. and uh, But it wasn't like we, we closed the game out, you know, shutting up shop, just keeping possession. We did have more chances after the red card. We did continue to attack because we had pretty much all of the ball. So... I, I like that about us. We were better in possession, thanks massively to the likes of Atebo and Berahino. I thought our approach was exactly spot on because it, it continued the attacking momentum. And you could tell there were guys there who were desperate to score and desperate to try and create chances for us. I mean, he brought Bojan and Afobi on at 2-0. And uh, Bojan plays a lovely little ball to Afobi. And, you know, it could have been three. Crouch puts that away, could have been three. So I, I'm obviously disappointed we couldn't convert more and you know really hammer them but I'm really really impressed with uh just how we kept our heads and didn't do what we did against well literally every other game this season and poo our <laughs> pants so <laughs> so I'm I'm really pleased but uh what what did you think did you think we could have perhaps turned the screw a bit more I thought that as you say, there was opportunities to to go three four nil up. Maybe I thought we we had the chances that on a different day would have been converted. Um, I understand that we didn't go we didn't overload them because there's still that reservation in the team and keeping a clean sheet was a, a big priority for confidence in the defence. So, like. I'm not. I'm not going to complain that we didn't overload them and try and like rush them, but I think we could have done. We could have done more, and I think that's a, that's a good thing for for a team that has not been creating many opportunities to have several that have gone missing. 
I think that's quite a, a good thing because it's showing that we are able to put the ball in the right place, which is a, a massive cliche that I've just said. But uh, do you agree, Tom? Yeah, I, I don't even think we weren't going for it because aside from Marshall making an outstanding reaction save against Juif from a corner mm. and a pretty decent save uh, from that beautiful ball that Bojan played through to a phobie and Crouch missing that sitter. It's just one of them things where when you've been playing like crap and only won one meaningful game in eight months, you are pretty unlikely to take every chance that falls your way. So, yeah, and I think, like you said, it was really important for the midfield to and the centre-halves to get their foot on the ball and just know that they can pass to each other a bit more. So I think that's the, the best thing to take from it rather than trying to stick like five goals past ten men. Mm. Um, I do have a, a bullet point here called the Peter Otebo loving and we have kind of already had that but just kind of tactically or what is it that makes him so good and what what is it that that Fletcher can't do? This might sound a really simplistic question but <laughs> explain the difference with Atebo as opposed to Fletcher or God knows who else we've had in there in the past. I I was going to say just off the like the, the, the top of my head, the most notable thing I think is ball retention and the ability to... Where we said a, like, a few weeks ago about how Fletcher, there was a, a moment in one of the games where he, he did something surprising and they won, him and Joe Allen won the ball back and then he passed the ball straight to... It was Preston, straight to a Preston player. Uh, I think Atebo was so much calmer on the ball, was able to have players close him down and was e- was still e- able to find the easy pass and was accurate in those passes. Um, I-, I just thought he was a real calming presence in midfield and he allowed Joe Allen to be a little bit more creative, I thought. Um, especially the ball for, um, for Juve's goal from Joe Allen, I think was was excellent and I don't think that Joe Allen is able to have that freedom without Atebo being more secure and that's not to say that I think Atebo is a defensive midfielder because I just think he's just that solid option who you know will be able to hold on to the ball Mm. yeah I I totally agree with that I think the goal sort of displays everything that Atebo brought to the side so he picks the ball up sort of just on the halfway line takes a touch, open, opens his body up, looks forward, takes another touch, he's not rushing the pass, he's waiting for Allen to be in the right space, lays it to Allen, Allen lays it through to Juve, goal. Uh, and yeah. I, I just think genuinely just looking at the stats, get the stats claxing out, he, um, he completed 74 passes out of an attempted 82, which is more than anyone uh, completed wow. for Stoke. In only seven of those were in that ended up in our own third, in our defensive third. Only thirteen were backwards, and only sixteen were square. So it's this. It's not just the the fact that he manages to pass the ball to a Stoke player every time. It's that he's managing to pass the ball to a Stoke player every time, and with sort of a large majority of his passes, they're going forward. It seems a bit simplistic, but it's genuinely all he's doing is picking the ball up and moving it forward and it's so important because I think all of our problems not all of them but I think a lot of them come down to the fact that 
we've struggled to retain possession for ourselves and not just sort of retain it, knocking it round at the back. We haven't been able to retain it sort of with a, a presence that threatens the opposition, which then leads to all these sort of defensive errors and us losing matches. So Etebo coming in and being able to pick the ball up, turn around, pass to people, just... I genuinely, and this this could be foot in my mouth, everyone comes back to this at the end of the year and says, what an idiot, but I haven't seen a performance <laughs> like that from a centre midfielder for Stoke since Zonzi. It's genuinely that level. I know it's a worse Ooh. league, but that's who he reminded me of. Well, when we have, when he has a stinker against West Brom, we'll know who to blame. Um, <laughs> and I suppose we've had a, a positive 20 minutes there, so I'll uh, just raise this up. Tom, is it not the fact that Huller just shit? <laughs> yeah, Hull are just shit, but they were shit, but never looked like scoring against us. I, I think they created 0.3 xG, which we haven't sort of conceded since the Huddersfield game. So genuinely, they just didn't look like they were going to score against us. And yeah, they were shit. Yeah, they were down to 10 men, but fucking hell, I wouldn't have backed us to beat not county at the way we're playing at the minute so I don't really care that they were shit it was all about Stoke not much about Hull fair play um, <laughs> yeah Hull look like definite relegation contenders I mean they offered so little against us and even the first half I thought we didn't play particularly well I thought at times even we were poor we were we were kind of just very slow and pedestrian and I think Rowett may have had a word with them at half time to the effect of we're one nil up, we can we can take advantage of this now, play with a bit more freedom, they're offering nothing. You've you've seen that they're nothing to be scared of because mm-hmm. I think certainly off the basis of the first four games, we, we went in there with perhaps a bit of arrogance, but then instantly became scared of these championship teams. And what we needed was perhaps this right team at the right time just to A, get that win under about and B, just play, show ourselves that we can play with that bit of freedom, we can pass the ball to each other and we can try to attack without this massive fear of, you know, oh, the attack will break down and then the fans will start booing us again. And it just it just showed that we're, we're all right, we've got good players. <laughs> we just And we have known this, it's just we need to you know, take a deep breath and and just keep going and going. And uh, on that kind of related note is a, a subject I think I brought up, maybe even Lassie's on the pod. Passing backwards sometimes is fine. We don't need to <laughs> we don't need to freak out when we're having an extended spell of possession and we pass it backwards, even if it's to the keeper sometimes. Yeah, I know it's frustrating like when we really want to burst forward on a counter-attack and we don't. I get that frustration. But instances where we're 2-0 up and, oh, Joe Allen's passed it back to Shawcross to, to relieve some pressure. That's mm-hmm. fine. It's deliberate. It's on purpose. We're doing that so we can attack. That's my one bugbear with kind of the... Uh, with the people sat around me, to be honest, but um... so shout out to the people who were screaming forward in extra time around like block thirty-one when we were tuning up. I'm so pleased with you. We demand more from this football club a, forever. Absolutely stellar text on Radio Stoke, uh, which had a go at Mam Juve for not celebrating 
the second goal, which turned out to be a no goal. Oh, he, he just shows just shows a lack of commitment <laughs> and that he doesn't want to be here. Uh, Brilliant. And then there was a, then there was a guy who phoned up said, "Oh, I thought Fletcher was really good when he came on." Oh, <laughs> he meant he meant Bojan. He confused Darren Fletcher wow. and oh. Bojan. That not quite as bad as um, Signal Two Radio or whatever <laughs> who uh, kept mistaking. Juf, Kuko, and uh, Berahino. And I, I just can't work out why they were confusing the three of them. We weird, weird. Because they're all so good. Yes, yes. <laughs> they're That's the best it. ones. <laughs> after after five games, then we've finally got off the mark. We're sat in the heady heights of sixteenth or seventeenth. I can't really remember. Um, but Chris, you brought up the phrase "green things are growing" uh, last week on the pod. Obviously, since then we get, did get battered by Wigan at home. But how are you feeling now? Uh, are we going to have to wait until the mystical ten-game mark, which is a point of the season that everyone keeps referring to? I don't know why it's ten games. Is it just because it's a nice round number, or is it just because there is a there is a certain point? Maybe it's the end of September. And we've all calmed down a bit, but when will we be able to judge if this Stokes team is actually good or not? <laughs> um, I don't. I don't really know if I can put a number on it. I suppose ten ten games is a nice, solid number, isn't it? It's nearly a quarter of the way through the season. Um, I think you'll be able to judge in the next few games whether we whether our confidence has changed and whether green things are in fact growing um because like i i think yesterday was great and i think that we showed a lot of positivity and i think it did a lot for our confidence but it is still a team that's a work in progress and you you don't want to suffer more annoying defeats off the back of this you need this to be a springboard to better things so i think 10 games time is a decent thing to judge us. I'm still relatively confident about the season, if honest. I think we're at, what, we're five games in, and for people to write us off... Like, did you see that we then, suddenly people were piling on us for relegation? I, I mm. think that's pre- that's premature, and I think that we will still have a nice season. Um, my thoughts on us winning the title are dented, but then things happen, don't they? things change it's you, you never you never know this could be the 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 thing we need to go forward um so yeah 10 games dave i'll, I'll we'll, we'll talk about it in 10 games time we'll we'll reassess we'll do like a a quarter of the way through season preview and mm. then but we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Stop worrying. Well, for God's sake. You are speaking to someone who used the phrase reek of Sunderland during midweek. <laughs> and do I think that was premature? Possibly. I mean, the the complaints I had after the Wigan game are still by and large there. That I don't think this game has solved all those complaints by any stretch, but what it has done is at least show signs of life, those little green shoots 
green shoots of recovery might be there now I'm fully prepared for West Brom to trample them all out again and us for to be you know relegation candidates if we lose at the Hawthorns again but I think I think 10-15 games into the season like you said a quarter of the way we've played half the teams is a reasonable barometer to judges I do think that certainly the first three games we did play three of the better sides in the league and it can be a difficult time to adjust I still think there are problems with uh, recruitment and uh, getting players out the door seems to be a massive issue for us. Uh, the back line does still worry me. Uh, it was great to have Bruno back yesterday, but Eric Peters was still really poor. And if Bruno's not there, I don't quite have the same level of confidence in the back line. And yeah, there's there's still a fair bit to go for me. It's I'm I'm massively encouraged by Berahino and Atebo. This that was my big, big encouraging point from the game yesterday. It was seeing how A Sido has managed to get into shape in pre season and, and seems to be adapting well to a new role and that the signing of Atebo is just the a massive, massive lift for our midfield. But we've also signed Ryan Woods, and he was unveiled on the pitch to uh, to join Potamus and Potamus flossing in the centre circle. That was quite a sight. Um, a guy who has been massively talked up by the Brentford fans have spoken to, so uh, that's another encouraging sign. But Tom, where is he going to fit in now? Because is he going to come straight in for Alan? I have no idea. Um, he's bloody impressive. Uh, I think McEachran was someone who stood out in, in Brentford's draw with us and McEachran supposedly is sort of the understudy to Ryan Woods for Brentford. So he's definitely going to be playing the role Etebo played, maybe even just a little bit deeper. So I'd imagine it's going to be him at the bottom somewhere with one of like Alan or Etebo in front of him and then Berahina or Bojan in front of that. But yeah, bloody hell, we've fixed the midfield can, can I say that I we look like we may have started to fix the midfield I'm not going to I'm gonna, <laughs> not going to use the past tense just yet on that uh, because this is Stoke and Stoke are often very Stoke about things um, let's dive into some listener questions now Big Stoke is Rowett maintaining Peter's position purely until Klukas takes it considering the Wood signing or does he genuine, genuinely believe Eric will come good? Yeah, left-back cover. Is Sam Klukas it? Or is he going to be a midfielder? What do we reckon? I don't know. I think even if he was brought in to be a midfielder, I think I've just got this inkling that he's going to end up at left-back. Because I think one of the things we saw with Martina, especially towards the end of the game, he drifted inside more, sort of, a la Pep Guardiola's fullbacks to support the midfield. And I think when we struggled in possession so much, it might be nice to have another person who can pass on the pitch yeah. rather than just like a, I don't know, rather than Eric Peters, basically. Um, I think it's alarming we don't seem to have a, sec- uh, a backup left back. And so my thought is perhaps Klukas is that, although there's still time for us to loan in a left back um, and they may be looking you never know I think that if you know the loan window shuts slams shut 
in a few days' time and we haven't brought in someone else, then yeah, Klukas is 100% the backup left-back. Because I don't think it's Josh Tymon. Um He doesn't seem to be anywhere near the, the, the squad. Uh, so yeah. But then I think Gary Rowett likes stuck in midfielders, doesn't hmm. he? And I think it's... But I also think it's quite clear, like we, we said this last week on the pod, that despite the fact that we have this massive squad and so many midfielders, it's very clear that a lot of those pl- players won't be playing. Charlie Adam isn't really getting near this team. Um, Jeff Cameron, no. And Dai's gone back to Turkey. In Bula, oh, bless him. I don't know where he even is. So it's quite clear that Gary Rowett has tried to bring in players who he would prefer in midfield. Um, but then Klukas can also play out on a left midfield basis. Not as a winger, but certainly out on the left so perhaps there's also cover there I think he's just a a player who can cover multiple positions and that Mm. will be useful in this long campaign because we won't be able to play the same 11 for every game yeah I was going to say he was he seems to me like our replacement Jeff Cameron figure okay he doesn't cover exactly the same positions as Jeff Cameron but he's that he's that utility man and maybe maybe he will hold down a place of his own in the midfield or at left back but he he seems to be a bit of a jack of all trades, which is probably in the long term good because it's as we've said before a long season and, and you're gonna need players like Sam Klukas. On Eric Peters, I did think he was so poor yesterday. He just every touch seemed to be the wrong one, and but I don't hate Eric Peters. Like a lot of people kind of sat around me seem to really not rate him at all, and certainly on the basis of much of last season and this season, there's grounds for that. But he has been good for us in the past. He, I don't think he's become a bad player, but he's, he's a very patchy player, I think. He can go through four or five games where he looks really good and then four or five games where he just looks dreadful. And I think, overall, I, I'm okay with him being our first-choice left-back. He's It's not... It's not ideal. Ideally, I'd like him to be able to cross the ball and hold his position <laughs> against Wigan. But you can't have everything you want. I've, I'm I'm holding out a bit of faith in Eric Peters because I think he's a he's a you know he's a seasoned campaigner for us now. He's mm. be, he's one of our longest serving players probably. So yeah, I'm not going to write him off. But I just yeah, yesterday was just he was just the literally the only player for me who who kind of stunk out the place, but. Um, there you go but I think Peters' problem is that there is no other option at that position so mm. he has to play regardless of if he's in good form or bad form he doesn't have the luxury of being dropped for a few games to you know, rest, recuperate or whatever it is he needs to, to do to get back in the correct frame of mind he has to play every single game so that that's that's been his biggest issue I mean, what, since we've signed him We've not had any, with the exception of just Josh Tymon, who you can't really say is an, an alternative to Peters. There's been no other players who can really play, who you could say are out and out left backs. Like, we've not signed any backup left back. <laughs> we went through years of not having one and having Mark Wilson there. Then we bought one and we'll just rely on him forever. So, yeah. Um,. Moving on to a question from Simon Deakin. 
Uh, a bit random, but I have to ask, when the stadium announcer does his mighty, mighty Potters thing at kickoff, does it make anyone want to die cringing? Um, the the whole uh, pre-match <laughs> ritual is something I, I want to seriously have words with the club about because we had the we still got the pipes Delilah, which worked great the first time it ever happened to get in that game against Arsenal where we won, and then since then every time it's just been a bit cringy and bad. Mm. Um, I don't mind the mighty mighty Potters thing. I think we've just uh, I've just grown used to it. Yeah. What do we, yeah, what do we think? What do we need to change in our in our walkout routine? It's an institution. You can't get rid of the mighty mighty Potters. I actually can't remember a time before that was screamed out as we mm-hmm. entered the pitch. I don't know. Let's let's get a hippo. Let's get a real hippo. Crystal Palace have a real eagle. We oh, shall have God. a real hippopotamus. Nice. Or we um, could just bring Charlie Adam out. Oh, oh damn, lads. Uh, throw yeah. a throw a throwing down. God oh. damn it. Oh, I feel like I should put like sound effects behind that. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, mic drop moment from Tom Thrower. That's Charlie yeah. Adam. You've actually finished Charlie Adam's career. Him out, You've though. finally done it. Yeah. Uh, giant hippo. Though. That's an interesting <laughs> idea. I know Palace uh, likes to fly the eagle up across the pitch so I don't know if we just release the hippo before kick off I mean, that's a, that's <laughs> a health just and safety just, nightmare isn't it so wall- much fun. wallowing in the turf just just having a lovely old time I think we just need a hippo enclosure like in the in the corner in the corner like you know like like in American football like the Miami Dolphins have dolphins do they? as is really? as I'm, I may I may just be thinking of the plot of Ace Ventura <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> but like, where yeah, does the dolphin they, get on the football pitch? They don't, they don't. They just have a big like tank, dolphin tank. That I know that harsh. the, I know that the um, what's it? The, oh, what they called the Rays? What? Ah, oh, this is sorry. If John McKenzie is listening, he's not. He's not a Stoke fan. <laughs> but they do a they do a baseball podcast, and one of them follows the Rays. And they have actual a tank of rays at the side of the baseball pitch. Like maybe we just need a big hippo tank, and any time there's a goal, we can like throw the hippo some food. I don't know. I just more animals need to be involved in football. We, so, we could get them to swim in a circle like they do on the BBC One. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't yeah, know how need... they do that, but that's incredible. <laughs> we need more. More fun things. Animals involved. I really love West Brom's boiler mascot. Oh, yes. I think that's brilliant. I want to go to the Hawthorns for that reason, but I think they've sold out. <laughs> <laughs> so, I wonder yeah. if it's warm in that costume. Oh, no. Oh. Or is it boiling? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. Ah. Um, so, so, Miami Dolphins... Did they, they did have a dolphin mascot? But it from... was, yeah, it, it was Snowflake, but he got stolen by. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Tom. I've seen the film. No, but they really did for two years, and was, then the it was the... Ray Finkel. <laughs> you can tell Stoke of one when we get onto shit like this. Um, <laughs> I think uh, all I was going to suggest is just carry on the instrumental to lose yourself for a bit but no mm. hippos in a tank <laughs> I wonder if they can floss because uh, 
hippopotamus definitely couldn't. Um, yeah, so we've been in off Delilah. We'll keep the Mighty Mighty yeah. Potters. We'll, but we'll, while Lose Yourself continues to play, release the hippo. Let it all, <laughs> let it all unfold. <laughs> Very good. We've sorted it. Nailed Dear Tony Skulls. We have found a way to enhance the pre-match experience. Go down to the local North Staffordshire Hippo Park. Pick one up. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, Daniel Millington, what, what were your thoughts on Berahino's performance? I think we all agree he was really rather excellent. Uh, Mr. Orange, 1863. Do you guys think there's reason to f- reason for hope for a successful season? Or is it more to consolidate and build for next season? This Ooh. This kind of alludes to the are we going up question which is a question I don't really want to answer right now but I, I think we've got to go for it yeah definitely I think we're only five games in and we're, we are a team that's like in a moment of transition but I think it's more uh, we've, we've banged on for weeks but I'm saying it's more a case of confidence than it is a lack of lack of ability I think we've still got a, a great chance the season is long and when you're playing like a ga- two games a week like those gaps between I, I know someone I saw someone saying the other day that oh well, we're so many points off top already yeah but these things cha- like over a week you get two wins things suddenly change like it is a division where places change so quickly and We've got every opportunity. I mean, bloody hell, Fulham had a what a terrible start to the season last season, and oh, where are they now, eh? Where are those bloody Fulhams now? Yeah. What animal would they have? Nothing. They would have a, a, a cottage isn't an a animal. Middle class gentleman sat in the middle of their pitch. That's that's <laughs> their animal. But yeah, there's no need to feel down and think this is a season of consolidation. What is Fulham's still... Sorry. Carry on. The the River Thames. (laughs) A thatched roof. A cottage. A A clapper. A massive clapper. (laughs) A a neutral supporting fan. (laughs) Michael Jackson. A a £53 ticket. See, see, it's more than a family because it's a family club. Oh, bless them. Um, well, to answer my own question, Fulham's mascot is Billy the Badger. Often known as the Badgers, aren't they, Fulham, I suppose? Oh, well. What was the question? What were we talking about? <laughs> oh, what's happened to the Premier League since we were in it? Bloody letting the Fulhams of the world in it. Yeah. And letting them win as well. Oh, God. What a watching match of the day last night. Huddersfield Cardiff. Uh, <laughs> uh, just get it off. Oh, what man. is that about? Huddersfield against I... Cardiff? Last night was the first time I watched uh, the highlights on Quest, by the Ooh. way. And um, I just, nah. I miss Manish oh. on BBC. See, the the best thing about Colin Murray is when Wolves are in the Football League, so he can say Wolves, but they're not even <laughs> in it now. <laughs> so we can't make fun of his, his funny Irish accent. <laughs> Oh god! I hope we're this jolly if we, you know, don't beat West Brom. Oh no! Um, I'm I'm literally going to Scotland to avoid the West Brom game. Oh, so am I. Snap! Oh, I'm not. Come to Scotland come with us. Come if you want, Tom. <laughs> You're more than welcome. 
They're going to go watch Queen's Park play Cowden Beef. Oh, it's oh. Be great. It sounds like a joke, but we actually are. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you know how for that... More, for, for more information on that, follow Dave's other project. Oh, at is that, is that a spoiler? There you go. No, they they mentioned it. They mentioned it on the on their midweek. Po- Why are you not listening to the I other podcast? I haven't had time Tom? to listen to the Squires one yet. I'm sorry. Well, there you go. Then you would know it's not a spoiler. <laughs> Don't. Anyway, I think we've kept people for too long. <laughs> Chris, that that is for me to judge. <laughs> All right, let's talk about animals some more. <laughs> what animal would be the best at football? This is um this is like Wizards of Drivel Kids edition. We're gonna release a special like, CBBS aimed at younger younger fans. <laughs> the, the lion yeah. from Red Knobs and Broomsticks was pretty good. Which lion, Tom? The the lion from Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. You know when they, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they land on the Isle of Nabumbu. Oh no, he wasn't very good. No, he wasn't no. very good. They all just no. made him look good. So. <laughs> Not a lion. Gone. No, not a lion. Not a lion. Of course, as you're aware, Dave, it, the answer is um, is a dog, because on CBBS there is already a program called Footy Pups, oh. uh, of which I think John Motson commentates. <laughs> what? <laughs> Change of career. <laughs> I need that in my life. <laughs> yeah, it's brill. It, it teaches kids football skills, but then they have. Uh, these animated dogs who have a match and usually what the real life kids have learned in these footy skills the footy pups have to put into action so like the other day but this is ridiculous Chris Chris this is ridiculous the the dogs have completely different limbs (laughs) they've they've got four legs they stand on two legs though to play football oh do they and they the other day they played Skunk Thorpe United and and the issue was they couldn't. The footy pups couldn't see the goal because the skunks were squirting all their fog <laughs> everywhere. So, yes. so, so it was all about you know um, confidence and in, in your ability to find the net by just understanding whereabouts it is. Ah, uh, yeah, it's great CBBS. I remember when this was a show about Stoke. <laughs> right, I think it's time to wrap up there. But before we go, uh, a mention for a few bits and pieces. The Predictor League is still going, and goodness me, we have a, a clear leader at the moment, and it's the same guy who's been leading for some time in our Predictor League. He predicted Stoke 2 Hall nil, along with two others of you. It's John Wayne again. John Wayne. Uh, not only did he display true grit, I would also go as far to say he, we should say Rio Bravo, John Wayne. I know you're a quiet man, but... Despite uh, Hall defending like they were in the Alamo, Stoke were the, the guys who, who won. And it was a red river of goals there for Stoke. Oh. The big trail of destruction is <laughs> has been left behind you. And to be honest, John, you are the undefeated. So, there you go. This, this was the longest day I had thinking of hey. these puns. Um, a lot lot of the puns I looked at and thought nah they were expendable uh, oh my there you go 
the rest, the rest of them. <laughs> off, but, but ignore the, uh, the the what's it? Who's top of the fantasy football wizards league? It's me. So, is that you, John Wayne? <coughs> good, good for you, Tom. We're Thanks. all really proud of you. Okay. Good. Yes. Tried well really done. Hard. You did good. Well done on having Salah in your team, <laughs> like everyone else. Oh, it's not even like. The championship, it's like you do Premier League. You uh, uh, Premier League, don't like it. Uh, uh, get it off. Isn't it funny that West Ham aren't doing well, though? <laughs> but Arnie Little. still is, which is nice. Yeah, like, love Arnie, hate ironmongers. Hate hammers. Yeah, hammers. All kinds of them. Sledgehammers, <laughs> mallets. All the hammers, all the hammers. Oh. Uh, MC. <laughs> right, definitely time to wrap up now. Uh, I'll just plug the aforementioned Who Are You podcast because unlike this one, that actually has some logic and structure and <laughs> people talking in complete sentences. And I've got an interview that came out on Friday where I speak to David Squires, who is an actual really interesting man with good stories and all the rest of it. So please listen to that and you know, promote the hell out of that one. This is your dirty little secret of a podcast that you don't need to tell anyone about. Um, <laughs> dear me, the edit job on this got to be horrific. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll wrap up there. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you, Dave. It's been really fun. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, we bloody won. Easy, 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 easy,